Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Purpose of Life podcast. I am your host, Wyatt Hebblethwaite, and I've got a couple special guests with me today. We have Bethany from the OU Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Bethany, do you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. So <laughs> good to be with you today. <laughs> and we have Melody Richardson. Melody, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Wyatt. I um, have been doing college ministry my whole life. That's kind of been the track that God has had me on. So I served in Chico, California. Uh, I was out there for several years. Then I was at the University of Nebraska on staff. And then I moved to Wichita and I went on staff with Focus International. So I was on staff with Focus for, I think, about six years. And then about six years ago, I started my own uh, nonprofit. It's called Alongside Women. And my heart kind of was to try to do what I could to help equip women like Bethany, who are kind of the generations behind me who are doing what I did my whole career, which is investing, trying to share the gospel and disciple, invest in um, college women. So that's what I've been doing. And I about... Uh, Two years ago, I moved to Manhattan, Kansas, where I'm collaborating with um, Kansas State University's college ministry. Uh, they don't call it BCM. It's Christian Challenge there, but I'm mentoring their staff women and helping with their internship program. So, wow. And currently, just, just so you know, currently I'm quarantined in Hobbs, New Mexico, which is my hometown. I came here to assist my elderly mother during this time. So, that's where I'm at. Well, awesome. There's a lot to unpack from that, but I want to ask you a question that I like to ask everyone who comes on our podcast. And I hope you're ready. It's a bit of a doozy. If you, assuming restaurants <laughs> are open again, and you were to go out, Say that. Uh, let's assume restaurants are open. Uh, for context, this uh -oh. is during the coronavirus for you listeners. And Melody, if, if restaurants were open and you could go get takeout food right now, where would you go and what would you get? Tijuana's. Uh, it's a little Mexican place. It's just a few blocks from where my mother lives. And uh, I would get chile verde, which is like pork cooked with green chilies. And they serve it with little homemade flour tortillas. They have the best chips and salsa. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I would do without even thinking. Wow, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I, I want chips and salsa so bad now. <laughs> Bethany, I want to let you take the lead on asking some of the big questions you've dreamed of. <laughs> awesome. Well, Melody, you just touched a little bit on your story and a little on your journey. Um, why don't you just take us back to the beginning, like when you felt this draw to kind of do ministry? Like, what was that like for you, that first initial kind of like a lot of our listeners might be wondering, am I, am I supposed to do ministry? There's so many options with my life. Like, what could I do? What was that like for you stepping into ministry? And how did you kind of know that that was what you're supposed to do? So you mean the beginning, beginning, <laughs> back when I was a young gal. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have, I got my, I have an elementary ed degree uh, from New Mexico State. And ministry was never anywhere on my radar as a, as a career path. I, 
partly because I, I don't think I had ever really, I don't know that I had ever seen a female in full-time ministry. When I, was a, when I was a college student, there weren't any females on our staff at the time in the ministry I was a part of. Um, I didn't grow up in a church setting that had females doing anything, you know, in a staff type lead role. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just never, I didn't see it. I didn't see that as an option. And I, and I don't know that I would have thought about it, even if I had have seen that, you know, so I kind of had a certain trajectory in mind to work with deaf children. That was kind of my direction in life. And I think what I, where I, I tell people, I feel like that sort of started turning for me was um, I went on a, actually went on a mission trip with our college ministry in conjunction with my church I was a part of in college. This is at New Mexico State University. And um, yeah, while we were there, uh, it was just a, it's a really significant week in my life. And we had a huge earthquake while I was there that was terrifying. Like I had never been in an earthquake before. Uh, we don't have those generally where I live. And uh, yeah, I don't think our, our lives were not ever like really in danger or anything like that, but, but it was very, uh, we felt it. It was scary, that kind of thing. And I just remember um, it, I, it wasn't one of those things where like, I, I didn't go to my room that night kind of bargaining with God, oh, please save me and I'll do whatever you want. It wasn't that sort of thing. But I do think it that sort of started me on this journey of thinking, have I really consulted the Lord about his plans for my life? You know, I was a believer. I loved Jesus. I was trying to walk with him faithfully. But I just started thinking, you know, life can be short and what if I, you know, I don't want to miss God's will for my life or whatever he has for me. And I think I just started realizing, I, I don't think I was like a junior in college at this time. I don't think I've ever really prayed about my major and my career path. I, I just, this is what I've wanted to do since I was in the seventh grade. I wanted to work with deaf children. And that's what I just set out to do. And, and I don't think there was any particular sin in my chosen career path. You know, I, I just, I had a heart for kids. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And I just went after it. But I just started realizing, you know, that I was moving forward in my life. And maybe, maybe I wasn't really inviting Jesus into every aspect and every dynamic of decision making. I was kind of making my plans and asking the Lord to bless them. You know what I mean? Um, And so Right after that, like very shortly after that, um, I I tell people it's it's kind of a strange thing, but I literally woke up one morning and I just had no desire to continue to pursue the degree that I was working on. I'm like, I don't know what God wants me to do, but I know that's not what I want to do with my life. I don't think that's what God has for me. So I started telling the Lord, okay, I want to obey you. So you just tell me what to change my major to and I'll change it. And we'll start over, you know, I wish I'd have known this a little sooner in college, but it's all right, God, you know, I will obey you, whatever you want to tell me to do. And I never got any new direction from the Lord. I just felt like what I heard from him as I just met with him day after day was just be faithful, finish your degree, just be faithful, finish your degree. So I did. And right out of college, I got an opportunity to, uh, go teach in a little school in another country 
And so I went down to Guadalajara, Mexico, and I used my degree teaching, but I got to be around a bunch of missionaries that year. And I lived with a couple of girls who were journeymen. And man, my heart and mind just got expanded, you know, for God's work in other cultures. And so I came back thinking, maybe I'm going to be a, maybe God wants me to be a missionary. Then somebody told me, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, there's, they're doing an internship at one of the little universities in New Mexico. You should apply for the internship and do college ministry for a year or two. I'm like, okay, I'll just walk through that door. So I prayed about it filled out the application, got the job. Um, so I, you know, I could go on telling some further stories, but I think for me, there was never some moment of, you know, God call, you know, like some sense of call to ministry, Bethany. Mm-hmm. For me, I just sort of feel like it was a journey for me. And I just kept walking through open doors. I, like I would come to a, the end of one thing and I didn't know what was next. And I felt like the Lord would just open a door and say, go that way, you know, mm-hmm. There's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's in Isaiah 30, that talks about, you know, when you lose your path and go astray, you'll hear God's voice behind you say, this is the way, walk here. And I remember reading that verse as a young believer and just feeling like that's kind of how God is leading my life. It's just, this is the way, walk here. So I would walk through one door and then another. So, uh, and pretty quickly after my year of internship doing college ministry, I, that's the direction that my life kind of got set on. And I just felt like that was what God would have for me to, I couldn't think of a better place to spend my life than working on college campus, trying to invest in college students. It was a very impactful time in my own life. So I just felt like I could totally see the value of it. I wanted to be on the front lines where the action was and, uh, there was kind of a process of discerning, is it college ministry in the States or am I going to go overseas and do that? And ultimately just felt like the Lord was leading me to, to be here in the States. So Amen, girl. that's kind of a long answer. Worth it. <laughs> well, so you were saying that there was no like point of, of calling, right? There was no like aha moment. You just kept seeing God open doors. And yeah. what- what would you say to someone that has been kind of like waiting around for that? Well, I just don't know what God's calling me to do yet. Or maybe I know I've been there before. I was like, God, I'm waiting for you to give me like a big sign in the sky. What would your advice be to that person? I would say, do something. Just say yes. Say yes. Like for me, you know, I got this opportunity to go and teach school in Mexico at a little private school that served missionaries, kids and other expats that were living down in Mexico. And I mean, I, I could have thought about that opportunity and thought, well, you know, I don't feel a sense of call to missions in my life. So I, maybe I shouldn't really do that. I'm, I'm going to kind of stay right here where I am until I have a clear call, you know, to what I should do next. And I think I just kind of had an attitude and I was, I think it reflected the group of people I was around at the time it's just like, man, when you get an opportunity, uh, certainly pray and ask the Lord about it. But if you can, and there's no compelling reason not to, you don't feel God stopping you, then go for it. Just do. I don't know if you guys read Bob Goff. You know who Bob Goff is? 
Anyway. I know who he is. I haven't read any yeah. of his stuff. Well, to be honest, I haven't read any of his books either, so I'm not recommending him. I don't really know. But, I mean, he he's fairly well respected. And I just know he has this book out called Love Does. And kind of his mantra in life is just do something. You know, don't don't sit around waiting for the right thing, the exact right thing. Just do something. Get Get going. Do. And I think there's some wisdom in that. And I think maybe sometimes people can, young people can get kind of locked up on, oh my gosh, I don't want to miss God's will for my life. And they feel a little fearful to move forward, like unless they have the shining spotlight on the exact right thing. I just, I I just want to, I tell people, young women, especially that I relate to, I just say, say yes to everything you can right now, because you know, somebody asks you to speak and you're terrified. Well, do it anyway. Sure, I'll do that. I'll give my testimony in front of 200 people. You know, lead a women. You want me to come and speak for a women's retreat? I've never done that before. Okay, you got to do a first. There's a first time for everything. Go do it. And, you know, you got a chance to go on a focus trip overseas. Say yes, go do it. Um, as you do all those things, the Lord will, I think at least this is my story. As I did stuff, God began to hone down what truly was in my heart. What was I passionate about? What was I good at? What did I have skills and strengths at? Yeah. So that's what I think that's how I would answer that. Why is just don't, don't just sit waiting, throw your name in the hat and say, take me, I'll do it at least for a while. I'll go give it a shot and see what I learn, see how I can help. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Thank you so much. That, that was crystal clear. Yeah. Along these same lines, Melody, I hear a lot in your story about just kind of like hearing something from the Lord or in some vein of like feeling direction from the Lord, but more so along the lines of just hearing God's voice. I think that's a a confusing subject for a lot of people. Like, how do I hear from God? Like, is there something you would speak to along that line, either from your experience or? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you I think I was taught early on in my walk with Christ how important it was to be in the word every day. And so, I mean, I'm not going to tell you I don't ever miss a day, but mostly the pattern of my life is I'm up in the morning and I open the word and I'm sometimes it might be just a few minutes. Sometimes it's a long time and I just, I'm reading, I'm praying scripture, journaling about it, just bringing my life to Christ every day. Um, Right. You know, like right now I'm kind of in this odd, well, everybody's in an odd season right now. Uh, But mine is one of those that sort of has a double layer of odd uh, because I'm back in my, as a 62 year old woman, I'm back in my hometown helping my elderly mother who's been ill. And so, yeah, my, I'm kind of caring for her and, uh, it's been it's been a challenging season. I'll just say that. So, for me, it's like I you know some people I think are doing the quarantine like they're getting up every morning and they're having their coffee and this leisurely time, lots of extra time in the Word. It's like it's so great. You know, other responsibilities are kind of on the back burner. And for me, I sort of feel like my daily responsibilities have ramped up during this time. So. I don't have that kind of time as I don't have as much time as I normally would, you know, to be in the word. So I'm, you know, I just kind of reverted when I got here. I just went back to, okay, I don't know. You know, I was on a reading plan, but I couldn't keep up with it. So I just went back to doing a Psalm a day. And so I'm 
I've been making my way through the Psalms, one Psalm a day. And that's about what I can do right now. But God's been so sweet just to meet me in the Psalms. And so I just think, you know, it's so important to learn as a young person to hear the voice of God in the word of God and listen for his voice and, you know, to have your highlighter and your pen and just be marking your Bible up, have a Bible that you are not uh, uncomfortable marking in, you know. Um, so I, I just think being in the word trains your heart to hear the voice of God. You, you know, the more you know scripture, the more when you're out just taking a walk and you have a, some impression from God about something, if you're in the word a lot, you have a better radar on, is that just, you know, my crazy brain or does that have something that sort of, sort of has the feel of the Holy Spirit on it. Maybe I should follow up on that thought, you know, but you don't, you won't, you don't learn that unless you've trained yourself to hear the voice of God and the word of God. You know, John, uh, I think it's John 10 where Jesus says, you know, my sheep know my voice, you know, and I don't think, you know, and none of us hear him perfectly because we're imperfect people, but I do think you can learn to hear the voice of God. When did you first get the the discipline of spending time in your Bible every day, like in your life? I know that's hard for a lot of college students. I mean, it's hard for everyone. Let's be real. When did that first like become a, a discipline in your life as opposed to just like haphazard reasoning every now and then? Sure. On? Yeah. Um, I, I started getting, you know, some teaching and understanding of about daily quiet time and that kind of thing. When I was probably 17, I was in high school still at the time, and I became a part of a church where that was something that they taught and helped the young people with. So I was exposed to it at that time, and I had made some efforts in it probably in high school. I, I think I have a few sporadic journal entries, you know, trying to process a Bible verse or something during that time. But I would say probably when I went off to college, you know, as a freshman, I got involved in a collegiate ministry and my peers were all, everybody around me was having daily time in the word. So, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, you become like the people you hang out with. And that was true for me. You know, that rubbed off on me pretty quickly as a college student, uh, my, my first year right out, you know, so... Um, along those lines, Melody, what, is there like a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice that's been like meaningful to you throughout the years or just in addition, maybe to reading your Bible, is there anything that has been a blessing to you through your life? Yeah. I mean, I would say scripture memory has been important uh, to me. Um, I, you know, I know you guys come out of the heritage there at OU where, you know, Max set, sets the pace on that. And I have to confess, I, I feel guilty sometimes because, I mean, I, I forget how old Max is. He's a lot older than I am. But, man, that guy, his, he has a mind like a steel trap. You know, I mean, scripture memory, just it's locked in there for him. And I, I have struggled, to be honest, as I've gotten older. I, I don't memorize as easily. It's hard for me. And I have a hard time committing new verses to memory. I do still try to do that some. But I, I would say, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've I find meditating on scripture has become increasingly meaningful 
just going back to some of the verses that I have memorized over the years and just really just kind of sitting with them, thinking about them. Um, like when I first came, uh, when the quarantine first started and I was here in New Mexico, I had been working to memorize Isaiah chapter 40. I had decided a couple before the quarantine started, a couple months prior to that, I'm going to memorize, I'm going to work on an entire chapter of the Bible. That'd be so good for me. So I, you know, I'm doing decent on it. I haven't got it completely done even yet, but I'm working on it. But one day I just was, I took the dog and went for a walk and I just was meditating on a little short section of Isaiah 40. And as I walked, I just was reflecting on this one phrase that jumped out at me. Uh, it says that, talking about God, that he tends his flock like a shepherd. And I just started thinking about the word tend. It's, it's kind of a, it's not a word that I use very often in my life. I don't talk about, I, I'm not a gardener, so I don't, you know, but I think of, like you think about a gardener tends their garden, or if you have a child that's injured, you might tend to a wound or maybe a nurse tends to someone's wounds. So I just started thinking about how, where is that word used? And it, it just was a rich time. It was about 30 minutes I was walking. And all I thought about was the word tend, that God tends me. I'm a part of his flock and he tends to me. So it, it just has this idea of cultivating and nurturing, caring for, weeding, you know, if there's hurt, you know, it's being bound up and healed. I, I just, I spent 30 minutes just unpacking the idea that God tends to me. And so I think that's just a recent example for me. That I think, yeah, meditation on scripture, just slowing down. I mean, I'm all for read the Bible through in a year or year and a half, however long it takes you. I think that's a good discipline to do, but I also think there's real value at times at just slowing down and thinking about a verse or a short passage or even just one word and just say, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me from this one word in the verse? So I think meditation is probably a pretty key thing for me right now, Bethany. Okay. That's really good, Melody. Thanks. Um, just shifting directions just a little bit here. Well, except for I just saw you do this, so maybe it's not shifting directions. But one thing that just a couple things about you, Melody, that I've just appreciated so much throughout the years is your example um, in the way that you ministered to to ladies and to people, just everybody. Um, you just you're very um, humble. And you choose humility in a lot of areas and you're very honest and vulnerable um, mm -hmm. with yourself and with your, with your weaknesses. And I'm just curious, like, I think you do that intentionally. And I think that, that God's um, worked that in your life, but what do you, what value do you see that as being um, in a, in a leadership position and mm -hmm. having those qualities? Uh, what, yeah, what value is there? And do you think that's really important? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it's just kind of a baseline character trait to me to think we should be honest. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, duh, you know, uh, we should just be honest people. But I, I do think there's sort of an unspoken pressure sometimes, or I'll say perceived pressure. I don't, I don't know that it's real. It might be in some places, but I think in most of our circles, it, it's not, it's not intended. But we kind of get the idea that if I'm following Jesus, I should be farther along than I am. I should be better than I am. I should be more faithful than I am. Uh, I should be more perfect <laughs> than I am. And, you know, for people like the three of us who are in, in ministry settings, I think that's even ramped up a little bit more. It's like, well, gosh, I'm on the OU staff. You know, I, I gosh, what would people think if they knew that, you know, I didn't have my quiet time for like seven straight days this week, you know, or whatever. Um, or I'm struggling with this particular sin in my life. Uh, so I think there, the, the danger sometimes as, as we're walking with Christ is to begin to ever so subtly kind of put on a better face. And I think some of that is sometimes because we, you know, we feel like we're going to make God look bad. You know, it's like, well, gosh, you know, Jesus saved me. You know, he sent Jesus for me. And I, you know, I want people to, I want people to know God. And I, I want, I'm trying to share the gospel with people. And, you know, if, if I say I'm a Christian and people knew that I was struggling with X or Y, then I'm going to somehow tarnish God's reputation, you know, and uh, make him less attractive to people. But I really think, I think the opposite is true, really. And uh, assuming that our heart is in the right place and we really are trying to genuinely follow Christ and we're not just willfully sinning and saying it doesn't matter. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about someone who's genuinely trying to follow Jesus. Um, and I, I just think somewhere along the way, I, this, I, I'm confident, 100%, this was not some unique thought that I just came up with. I was either... I either heard it somewhere or had a conversation where I was challenged. I wish I could tell you where, but quite a long while ago um, that, you know, people can, if they, they, people can admire your strengths and that's great. And we all love to be admired for the things that we're good at and where our strengths are, you know, but I think for people to move in meaningful ways toward Christ they're more likely to do that in relationship with me if I let people see my weaknesses and my failures. If all they ever see are my strengths, they'll admire that, but they won't necessarily uh, move into more intimacy with Jesus in their own life. Uh, it could be that I leave them with an impression like, well, Melody's awesome. And so I could never be like that. You know, she's got it all together. And I think somewhere along the line, that just began to terrify me. I, I do not want someone to leave an encounter with me feeling like Melody's great, but I could never be like that. Um, and I just, I knew in my own life that, that that was not true, you know, that I had a lot of faults and failures. So I do try to be fairly honest with people. I try to lead out of weakness if I can and I'm thankful I'm around a group of people right now at, at K-State. I think this, the staff there model this really well. Um, we, I was recently in a little mini staff meeting with a, set, a, a group of people, and one of, the, one of the leaders of the ministry just confessed just this really ugly attitude in his heart toward one of the other staff 
people, you know, who was present in this meeting. And he's, he's just like, I just got to confess this to you. Like, this is how I feel, you know, uh, about, about what you did right now. And it's, it's really ugly. And so, you know, there was a brief conversation about it. And he said in the meeting, you know, and we're going to get together tomorrow. We have a time to get together. So we'll talk more about that then. But I just wanted to say this to the whole group. That's, that's what's going on in my heart right now. And I just thought that's really common for them to do. And he didn't have to say that. Nobody would have ever known that that was in his heart at that time. But it was. And so he confessed it and just said, I know this is awful. It sounds horrible to say, but it's the truth. And I just thought this is why this person is well-respected and why people are willing to follow him. You know, it's because he's he's not trying to pretend that he's further down the road than the rest of us. And I want to be like that. I, I I think that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of example that you go away from and say, oh man, where are the ugly parts in my heart? And am I willing to admit those out loud to people? That's the kind of moment that moves you toward Christ in a meaningful way. Uh, not coming away from an encounter feeling like, oh wow, that person's like amazing. So that's just a little bit of my story on that, I think, Bethany. Is that get at what you're asking? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think about second is it second Corinthians uh, twelve, you know, starting around verse nine, where Paul talks about how, you know, I will boast about my weaknesses, you know. That that is a very countercultural statement, you know, to boast. You know, we want to hide them. Paul says, I'm gonna boast about them because it makes it makes Jesus look, look any better, ever, all the more better when you see what a wretch I am and how messed up I am and what a failure I am. I want to make sure you know all that so that you'll see that Jesus loves even me and he can use even me. I heard it said once that you can impress from afar, but oh goodness, you know, now that I started saying the quote, I know what you mean. <laughs> impress people from a distance. Oh, impact. You can impress impact. people from a distance, but you can impact them only when you get up close. Yeah. Like you were saying, you don't want them to walk away thinking, well, I could never be like that because yeah. you haven't, it doesn't really impact people the same way being honest and open with them is. Yeah. That's great. That's a great statement, Wyatt. <laughs> well, I know what it's like to start a quote and then be like, oh, wait, I forgot how it goes. <laughs> Uh, for everyone listening, I have just revealed that I'm not entirely perfect. I hope you can vote. <laughs> Melody, what's something that God's really put on your heart recently? Like really like been really just like moving and you're you're just catching the fire, right? Something that he's been bringing to your attention, maybe during this pandemic or or maybe just something that's been in your heart for the last couple of weeks. Mm. Well, I think, I think one thing um, that comes to mind is this is something I think Bethany would probably be familiar with this. But we've probably talked about this at some point that I can, I can just be so prone in my life to be independent. Like I kind of live with this, you know, I can grit my teeth and get through anything. I can figure it out. Uh, I can do it. Um, hard for me to ask for help sometimes hard for me to say to people I don't know what I'm doing um so I think I started realizing like after I got here to New Mexico I was like 
I just was in this tunnel of like, oh my gosh, like what is going on with this virus thing? It was kind of a little bit frightening initially to me. I'm like, what? Um, and then with my mom's health at the time, she's a lot better now, but at the time I was a little nervous. I'm like, what's going to happen there? And I just felt like every day I was just kind of getting up and gutting it out through the day, you know? And then um, this is when I, like I said, it's when I kind of first got to New Mexico and it was before I pitched my read through the Bible plan and went, I'm just reading a Psalm a day right now, but I was still hanging on to my reading plan at that time. And I was in Zechariah. And this was the verse that I read one morning. Um, I should have had it open. Uh, I think it's Zechariah 10, one, but he says, it, it just this little phrase right at the beginning of the chapter. He says, ask the Lord for rain in springtime. And I was like, that's the dumbest verse. Like, you know, what, what a dumb thing to say to people. Ask the Lord for rain in springtime. It always rains in the springtime. You, know, you don't have to ask the Lord for that, right? You know? And so that's another one of those verses that I just kind of meditated on for a little while. And I just started realizing that, you know, it's, it's a command or an invitation to bring all of your life, every single thing to the Lord, you know, every day, every moment. Even the things that we take for granted, you know, and I think, you know, it's a little bit like at the Lord's Prayer, you know, give us this day our daily bread, you know, and some and sometimes in settings, that would be a very desperate prayer if you didn't have bread, you know, but mm. most of my life, I've always had enough to eat. And so it's like, why, why pray for daily bread? It's like, well, duh, I have daily bread today, you know, but I think it's this recognition. It's a way of recognizing that everything comes from God's hand. And my life is totally in his hands. And, you know, I'm completely dependent on him to draw the next breath. You know, that that is an, at God's discretion. He doesn't have to let me do that. You know, my life could be over in a heartbeat today. And so I just was challenged that I'm I need to be more of a woman of prayer. And Bethany challenges me on this. This is something. I think is Beth a strong suit of Bethany's and she has regularly through the years challenged me in prayer, but I'm kind of in a, a new spot right now of just thinking like, even with the pandemic, even with the virus, I'm like, are we, are we praying that God would like push this back and cause it to stop? Or are we just all kind of hunkered down in our homes waiting for them to come up with a better treatment and waiting for it to kind of run its course and go away. And I just thought, oh my gosh, as believers, I hope that we're daily asking God for rain in the springtime. Lord, this you command all of the elements of nature. This virus is nothing to you. It is a tiny little thing. Lord, would you please put it to rest? Would you please drive it out of the world around us? So I think that verse just got me thinking first. I was, it, the reason I initially thought of it was about the virus. You know, are we just hunkered down, not praying? And I don't want to, that's not what I want to do. I want to pray. And then beyond that, I think it just applies to my whole life. I want to be a woman of prayer, not a woman who just figures it all out and then asks God to bless it. Do you sort of see a theme there in my life? You know, that's something I think I've wrestled with my whole life is really letting God in and leaning on him in meaningful, tangible ways, particularly through prayer. 
That's some good stuff, Melody. Yeah, Melody, um, I want to ask another question just about you've discipled so many ladies throughout your years, you know, and we hear a lot about discipleship in our context and probably a lot of people listening have heard about discipleship and maybe they've never discipled someone. Maybe they are discipling one person and they're like, what am I doing? I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> like, how would you speak to just like, people who are trying to to live this life and they want to be disciple makers who make disciples what do you think are some key components maybe even especially maybe in general and maybe for especially for ladies however you want to answer that question well again I, I think it's easy to feel like well I don't know enough or I'm not who would want who would want me to disciple them you know we, we can t- kind of tend to disparage ourselves or our abilities and I would just say, I I heard a guy say a long time ago, people long to be loved. They long to be loved. And I think the heart of discipleship is loving people. And you may not know all the tools and the tricks of the trade of actually just what it means to quote disciple someone, but I hope we're all learning and growing and have some idea of what it would look like to love somebody. So I think that's a starting point, you know, for someone maybe who has not ever discipled someone. I think a starting point would be to say, who who has God put in your life? Who's around you? Maybe a younger student uh, that you just kind of have on your heart. Um, What could you do to love that person today? How do you begin to move toward them and love them? Maybe it would mean writing them a note during the quarantine, picking up the phone and calling them. Maybe you know that their favorite candy is Skittles, and it would mean sending them a package of Skittles in an envelope, you know. So I think just beginning to love people, you know, in very small and tangible ways, um, and then just trusting the Holy Spirit's work, you know, that if I take the time to have a conversation with this person, and I just simply share, hey, Here's something I read this week in my quiet time. This is what it made me think about God or about my own life. What do you think about that? Um, I think to turn it back and just have a conversation, have questions, ask questions of people. What do you think? I think sometimes we kind of get in the idea that I need to come into a discipleship relationship. I have to have the, I'm the expert and it's not about, you know, I, I need to have all the answers before I sit down with someone to disciple them. And I don't think that's true. Uh, If you're a little older, if you're a little more mature in Christ, you will have more answers than they do. And that's fine. That's normal. But it's not about me trying to demonstrate to the girl that I'm discipling how much I know and how much or how much more I know. It's a to me, one of the keys of discipleship is helping a girl learn how to think how how do you think about scripture? Uh, do you know how to engage God in scripture? So here's what I got out of that passage. What did you get out of it, Bethany? What does that verse say to you? Uh, or Bethany, tell me what you read in scripture this week. And why was that meaningful to you? Why do you think it was meaningful to you? What are you going to do about that? Is there some way that God, you think God wants you to obey him in a different way because of what you read? Uh, do you know what that word means in the scripture, Bethany? You don't? 
well, why don't you look that up? And next time when we get together, we'll talk about, you know, what that means. I'll look it up too. You know, I might, I might in that moment know what that means. But instead of me just saying, well, let me tell you what it means, because you don't know, I'm just going to put it back on her. Well, why don't, you, why don't you do a little homework, you know? So I don't know. I think sometimes we we can talk about discipleship in a way that makes it feel like it's a top shelf thing that's hard to get to, you know, and you you have to be at least six feet tall or you can't reach it, you know. And so I would just encourage someone who's beginning to think about discipling someone, just don't think of it like that. Think of it like just how do I help somebody think? How do I just have a conversation with someone about my own life? Hey, here's where I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? What can I pray for you? Where are you struggling? I think it's a lot more relational than we sometimes, we tend to think of it, if we're not careful, as me imparting information to a person. And that's not the essence of discipleship. It's a part of it. But, you know, the essence of discipleship, you know, Jesus and the 12, plus however many others were around at times, you know, they just were together a lot. It was relational as much as it was teaching. Right. You know, they they saw Jesus. They saw how he talked to people. They were around him. You know, so I just think, you know, the more you can do with people, they'll see how you treat the waitress at the fast food place. You know, they'll see how you treat your roommate. You know, how you treat your family. Mm. That's the old, you know, discipleship is caught as more than it's taught. I think that's really true. It's really true. I think so you're good. <laughs> There's a, a lot of wisdom. I, I heard someone say in a, a workout, not workout, a workshop, and they said that if you feel like you're prepared for discipleship, you're probably not. Say if you feel like you're wildly unprepared to invest your life in someone, he's like, now you're in the right place. That's so good. It, yeah, it's not about having all the answers. It's about being willing to reproduce Christ in someone else. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd say if you feel wildly prepared to do it, you're probably a person I'd be a little nervous to turn loose to disciple someone. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there should be a little humility in this. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. Humility is a big part of discipleship, hands down. Well, I appreciate you giving us so much time today, Melody. I wanted to ask you three closing questions. I want to call it a lightning round, but there's a catch. You've only got 60 seconds to answer each question. You ready? Go. Awesome. First question, it said that leaders are readers. Um, what's something that you've been reading recently that you want to share with anyone? Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really, I was wanting this to be really profound, but I'm like, well, this is what I'm reading. I'm reading The Lord of the Rings. Wow. Why are you reading The Lord of the Rings? I just felt like pandemic called for reading something that would be sort of grand, a grand journey into through a difficult, dark journey. You know, like I just kind of needed some companions on that journey. So I thought Frodo was a good, uh, a good call. So, uh, and I, I will say that a book that's on my shelf right now to read in the other room. I haven't started it yet. I just got it in the mail. It's a book called worthy and it's about the value of women. And it's not about roles of women. It's not about the whole, a lot of debate about what women can and can or shouldn't do or whatever. It's just about what does the Bible say about women's worth before God? And I'm really excited to get into that and read it and pass it along to some of my young friends. Mm, that sounds like a good read. The second question is any impactful quotes that you live by, whether secular or biblical? 
things that have really helped shape who you are? Yeah, the immediate quote that comes to my mind is uh, from a woman named Pam Moore. And uh, she was, if, if anybody knows who Corey Tenboom uh, was, she was Corey Tenboom's companion. Corey, Corey survived the Holocaust, uh, came through a concentration camp, was a tremendous woman of faith. And Pam was her companion the last five or seven years, I think. I can't remember now. Seven years-ish of uh, Corey's life. But Pam has a quote that she often, uh, it's a poem that she quotes that kind of, I just sort of adopted for my own life. And it says, um, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the known. Or so, pardon me, safely into the dark. Hmm. But he said to me, no, but put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. And I would say that that quote kind of gives constant direction to my life. Put my hand in the hand of God. That's safer than light and better than a known way. Great. I love that. The third question is, if you could go back in time, sit down with 23-year-old Melody, and you had just a few minutes of her time, what would you tell her? Uh, she would, I think... She, you knew she would listen to you. And she would listen. I'm not... I, yeah, I don't know how well 23-year-old Melody would have listened, but um, I think I would tell her some of what I shared earlier. It's okay to be honest about your life, Melody. Uh, you should be honest. Uh, I think that was something I learned a little later, probably closer to age 30, when I started really getting gut level honest with people about my, my own life and struggles. And I regret that. Um, I, I wish I had, I was one of those people who felt like I was going to make God look bad. You know, if I, I, I'm a Christian, all those things are in the past. I shouldn't, people, I shouldn't be bringing them up. It's going to make God look bad, mm -hmm. even though they were still real and a part of my life. So I think that would be what I would tell her is it's okay to be honest. It's best to be honest. If you want to really grow in Christ, that's the only way to go. Mm. Melody, you rock. Thank you so much for giving us your time today and hopping in on our show to share some wisdom and what you're excited about. Is there any closing thoughts, something that we should have asked you, but we didn't? <laughs> I don't know. You guys covered a lot of ground. Uh, it's a privilege to do this. I, I'm really excited that y'all are doing this. And I, yeah, I just feel like it's a real honor to be asked to share with the OU students. I've, I've always long, long loved OU and the ministry there. So thanks for letting me be a part. Well, we're honored to have you, Melody. We're so grateful to get to share you with, with the students. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, with that, we'll close out the podcast and we'll talk to you guys later.